Krishna Chaitanya, can you hear me? I can. Okay, go ahead. You can hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, I, I'm wondering about, okay, uh, this, this, I had to come up with this question on the fly. Let's see. So I think it's the eighth verse of the Upadesha Amrita. And basically, we hear about the importance of the name, form, qualities, pastimes, and so on. And sometimes people say that it should be revealed or approached in this order. Um, and, and I think in the Shikshastakam, in your translation of the eighth verse of the Upadeshamita, it does say this name, form, qualities in this order. So I, I'm wondering about the importance of the order and what exactly is that about? Because sometimes it seems like maybe, for instance, I don't know, the form of Krishna doesn't seem to come to me very easily, but Sometimes I feel like I've got a sense of his qualities, but that's down the line. Does that question make sense? Yes, I understand your question. Uh, Thank you for that. So uh, the uh, there is a gradation, and that is uh, um, explained by Jiva Goswami in the Bhakti Sandarbha, and others have uh, followed his lead. As well, can you hear me, everyone? Krishna? Yeah, you, yeah. you went to English and mute original, right? Oh, I didn't do that. I'm sorry. Let me do that now. English. I'm able to do the English, but oh, wait. Okay. So yes, I appreciate the question, and the, the uh, there is a gradation um, in relation to your question that is um, given by Jiva Goswami and Bhakti Sandarabha. and um, there he explains that this gradation in relation to smaranam. So smaranam, there are both different levels of smaranam from simple uh, remembrance, which could include studying about, and in that way, remembering um, the Sambandha Gyan. Um, and um, actually uh, consciously withdrawing the senses from sense objects Pratyahara, uh, Dharana, uh, the positive side, if you will, from withdrawing the senses, concentrating on, on, uh, on Krishna, his name, his form, his qualities, as, uh, as may be the case. Um, Dhyan, actual, um, meditation, uh, Dhruvana Smriti, uh, is kind of a deeper, fixed, prolonged, um, and samadhi. I think that's the gradation he gives. So while there's a gradation within smartum, as I've explained, he also gives a gradation in terms of applying that, uh, that gradation to the name, to the qualities, to the form, and to the leelas of Krishna. Now we hear repeatedly the, um, efficacy of chanting the name and we don't hear in the same way the virtues if you will of hearing about the uh of of uh, well i would say one thing to meditate on the name and we hear the virtues of that um chant the name to to, to meditate on the name I would just, we would refer to let's say japa as dhyan, so a meditation on the name, um, and the virtues of that are are many. We hear about it. We don't hear in the same way the virtues of remembering the form, 
the qualities, the leelas, and particularly with regard to um, such remembrance on the form, qualities, and leelas of Krishna being something that anyone can do, um, the generosity of the leela, of the form. of the, In fact, we hear from Rupa Goswami and his namastakam um, in relation to the name and the named, um, the name of Krishna and the named, and the named here refers to the form of Krishna. Hmm? We hear that while the two are the same, at the same time, the name is more more merciful because even if we offend the form, the name um, will uh, stay with us um, and distributes himself. He distributes himself through the name, even to those who have offended. Um, and so there is a distinction between the name and the other three, the form, the qualities, and the leelas. And the distinction largely is the generosity, the mag- magnanimity uh, uh, of, of the name. So, therefore, uh, Jiva Goswami says, with regard to smarnam, which has its divisions, as I've mentioned, um, that one should begin with nam smarnam, mm-hmm. which, as I say, any, anyone, anyone can, can do to one extent or, or another. Um, and what he is explaining there is that out of nam smarnam mm-hmm. comes n- Rupa Smarnam, which means meditation on the form, Guna Smarnam, meditating on the qualities of Krishna, and Leela Smarnam, meditating on the pastimes of Krishna. The idea here being that the, the form, the qualities, and the Leelas of Krishna are all present in his name, and it's through the name that he distributes himself most uh, generously, and in particular, he does so in, in Kali Yuga without asking qualification. Hmm. So, um, as he's speaking about it, if we chant the name, and I was speaking last week about just hearing the name, hmm, well, inside the name is the form, the qualities, and leelas. So they'll come out. In the context of chanting, the mind will start the, the form will appear of Krishna on the mind. Rather than taking the mind and trying to fix it on the form, it will arise naturally. Now, um, relative to our association and our uh, destiny, if you will, spiritual destiny, then the form of Krishna is going to be um, uh, you know, tied to that. Mm-hmm. And similarly, the, the qualities of Krishna then will be tied to that particular form and the leelas. So if you have these, the, the association and the destiny for Sakyarasa, mm-hmm. for example, or Madhurya Rasa, then the form that's going to arise and appear on a uh, in the mind and in the heart out of the chanting will be um, as seen as the Vishayalambana, the object of love for those in Sakyaras or Madhuri Rasa respectively. And then that form is going to have particular qualities as well that correspond with it uh, and with that, that particular uh, bhava or rasa. And similarly, uh, it would transport us into a particular um, lila seva, if you will. So this is how he speaks about this uh, kind of gradation unfolding, if you will, all through the uh, the sadhana of nam of chanting the name. Hmm. Now, um, you know, aside from that, obviously. We can think about the form of Krishna as we've heard about it. We can sing prayers that describe it uh, as it's been described by by great devotees. We can repeat them. Um, 
we can uh, read about the qualities of Krishna and think about them, which ones pertain to uh, which particular bhava um, and, 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 and leelas and so forth. Uh, we're going to hear in the context of hearing. There's some remembering, but this is very um, kind of a low, if you would refer to it as such, a very low level of of uh, of remembrance. Hmm? Um, and with regard to that, outside of what I spoke of earlier, the, the form, the qualities of leaders coming out of out of the name and so forth, then I think that. Um, uh, if you find that in your mind you're attracted to thinking about the qualities of Krishna and reciting them, contemplating their implications, contemplating, for example, here's a particular quality of Krishna, um, and what's in, what's it, what are examples of in the in the leela of that quality uh, manifesting and so forth. Uh, if you if you're attracted to doing that more, let's say, than um, uh, uh, having darshan of the deity um, and uh, observing the, the the form or recalling, as I say, prayers that describe the form of Krishna, uh, if you're more attracted to the latter, there's no harm there. There's no that's that's not a not not an issue or uh um, reading about the leelas mm-hmm. as opposed to reading about the qualities but they all really as you go forward you'll see if you want to read and study these things you see they all are composite <laughs> they go they go together right and you'll start to see well in this leela these qualities are manifesting and and it's being discussed from this angle of vision and so on so on and so forth so that all that um if you will, is a, is a kind of like very rudimentary, you could call it rudimentary form of, 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 re, of remembrance of smarnam. Um, you know, what you hear about your, 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 and what you talk about, you're going to remember. So in that, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily, um, any restrictions? Oh, first, don't think about the qualities. You should think about the form first, or don't think about the qualities. Lilas, you should think about the qualities first. But again, what Jiva Goswami is talking about in terms of a gradation is how they actually unfold in terms of realization. Like it's one thing to think, as I said uh, earlier, maybe last week, I think, to think of the form of Krishna, to think of the Lilas of Krishna. It's another thing to actually realize them, participate in them. Hmm on this experience that they are within the name and they're they're non different from the name and the name is a way in which they're expressing themselves each 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 name of krishna well has qualities attached to it and leela's attached to it and so forth right the primary names yashodananda you know radhanath hmm, um, um, and so forth um so um i think that's um that's anyway, referring to Jiva Goswami, that's where the idea of the gradation comes from. And, uh, I hope that uh, answers your question. If not, you can ask further or if there's any other comments, um, I'll entertain them. That's good for me. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Okay. The next question is from Gayatri. Hi, Krishna. Good morning and congratulations. I got your email. I didn't get a chance to respond, so I'll do so briefly now. Congratulations. You have my 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 blessings in your the next stage of your your life as it unfolds. Thank you so much, Kumash. That means everything. <laughs> okay. Okay, so my question is um I'm reading your little book, Joy of Self. Uh-huh. And and in chapter five, which is the means, um, it speaks of um, kirtan and it's mentioning the merdanga and the kartals. And then it says that um, these instruments are considered eternal participants in group chanting. Other instruments may also be used. Yet one must be careful to distinguish between a musical presentation and that which is spiritual. 
And reading this, it just makes me think that um, in Kirtan, um, a lot of the times when I sit down in Kirtan, I can get deeper into meditation on the name. But then normally towards the end, it kind of tends to break into more lively music. People get up and dance. And when I get up and dance, I find myself forgetting more about the meditation on the name. And I think more about the dancing. So in that situation, is it better to kind of stay seated maybe on the side if one is not able to um, to be in that meditation? Because I also remember you saying in North Carolina that one should never doubt ecstasy. And I don't know what ecstasy really is, but um, maybe dancing is a form of ecstasy. Well, I appreciate the question. Um, I'll... Um... Let me let me preface my answer with a statement from Rupa Goswami. Somehow or other, we should remember Krishna. How shall we remember? Somehow or other. So what may work for one in a general sense of remembering, you know, may not work for another and for another, um, um, and so forth. So somehow or other. Um, <laughs> um, and, but... Um, ISKCON as an organization, um, which I'm, I'm, I was born in, if you will, um, as a disciple of Vishnu Padi Sibhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, was very um, fond of dancing, I guess you could say. Hmm. Um, and there was an emphasis on the dancing, which I think was intended to help others to be um, unintimidated, even as the, the the push to dance could be intimidating. <laughs> uh, they wanted the devotees to uh, get into it, so to speak, and um, so they would, I mean, I'm talking about, I don't know now. I mean, I'm, I've been out of this country, I don't know, 30 or 40 years, but when I was a member, that, that was, it was very prominent. Um, and, um, and by contrast, Gaudiamath, uh, the Kirtans were, were not at all like that. And dancing was only um, undertaken as a natural outgrowth of the ecstasy of the chanting mm-hmm. and a symptom of bhava like, uh, like an un, un, would be a, what we call an anubhav anubhav is, is like, would be like with regard to kirtan raising the hands, dancing but it, it's arising out of bliss, out of ecstasy, mm-hmm. rather than out of anything external, mm-hmm. which it tended to arise out of in, in, in ISKCON. I'm not saying one is bad or the other is good, but um, uh, there's one thing for dancing to be an anubhav of kirtan and another thing for dancing to be dancing. <laughs> In the hope that it might help you to become absorbed and actually experience Anubhava. I remember once um, in Los Angeles, Prabhupada was speaking as he would in the morning and after the after the class, uh, there would always be a short kirtan. And one of my godbrothers named Bhavananda Maharaj, no, no, Brahmananda Maharaj was a big, big fellow. Um, he was uh, uh, dancing. He had kind of like a one-two step back and like this back and forward. And um, the prophet was a little startled by it. And he commented, he said, I saw that uh, that uh, Babananda was uh, experiencing the Bahava. And 
But then I realized it was just as men, a mental, you know, concoction or something like the, the dancing. Hmm. <laughs> so um, he wasn't necessarily criticizing, uh, even though he, I think he used the word mental concoction, but he was distinguishing real dancing that we hear about. For example, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, the dancing, the, the, the weeping, uh, and so forth. These are all, uh, sattvic, not sattvic, anubhavs. Sat, weeping would be like sattvic above, anubhavs. So, um, um, given that history and, uh, you know, excuse me, but then I'll, I'll give you a third example. And it, there's the, there's the no dancing unless it actually arises as an anubhav, right? And then there's the dancing in the hopes that it will bring about such anubhavs. I'm speaking about it in a generous way with regard to Iskon. It could get pretty wild in Iskon, uh, at, at times, which was, which, which, which could become a big distraction, actually. Uh, I think the intention was, as I say, they wanted devotees to get, to not be intimidated and jump in and abandon, you know, and lose consideration of what other, somebody might think and just dance and so forth. But sometimes it could get to a pitch where the last, the last, I'll give you an example. The last kirtan in ISKCON that I was in was in, uh, New York and Brooklyn before Radha Govinda. It was at a time when I was just leaving ISKCON for the shelter of of Sridhar Maharaj, and there was a big meeting in New Vrindavan, all the devotees were meeting, and they were concerned about the succession and how the gurus who were representing Prabhupada weren't representing him very well, and so forth, and there were different opinions how to go forward, and so forth. Um, and, of course, I had come to the conclusion at that point that I should take shelter of Sridhar Maharaj, which wasn't a popular opinion at all. And um, on my way out, um, I think I was flying out of New York or something like that. Anyway, I was there and I was in the Brooklyn Temple. And they had a kirtan. And then, um, and, you know, during, during the Arctic, and they made a circle. They put a guy in the center. And he started doing what they call like a break dance, like, I don't know, like a Michael Jackson or something like that. And I was really turned off by it because it was very much of a distraction from what was, you know, what was really uh, uh, what the kirtan was about. And... um I took it at the times. So yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, it's, 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 uh, I'm doing the right thing here. Now, again, I don't want to criticize ISKCON and, and, um, overly, but, uh, it could, the dancing get to a point where it was, it was a total distraction from what was going on. The tension of it was initially was, 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 and I, my, my understanding was not to result in that. But aside from that example, of Iskon and an example of Godimat, there's another example of the dancing and that is, um, well, uh, well, there was, uh, and this is more common in India, but there was, uh, uh, the devotees in England were doing kirtan when an Indian gentleman was coming to the kirtan and during the kirtan, he would fall on the ground and roll and get up and dance and, and, and the devotees didn't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so Prabhupada said, kick him in the head and see what happens. <laughs> something like that, when he was rolling on the ground. The implication being, if he was really in the ecstasy that, and the expressing the anubhav or the even the, the sattvic above of pralai, passing out, uh, and so forth, if you kicked him in the head, he wouldn't notice it. Mm-hmm. But if he got up and complained, you'd know, see, you're faking, you know, it, which is, which is the latter was obviously, the, you know, the case. Um, so there's the imitation of bhava, dancing, even imitation tears, rolling on the ground, and so on and so forth. That's one thing. And then there's the dancing with the good intentions, trying to get people fired up, as they would say, this con, and, and and so on, right? And then there's your, your example of, of Godiamath and so forth. So um, I think that having said that, the dancing is only as good as it's, as it's, as it's not a distraction. And if in your particular case as an individual, you find it to be distracting, 
um, potentially, then yeah, then you should uh, you, you should remain seated if it's if it's it's helping you to um, become more absorbed in, in in the chanting. When I say that the chanting kirtan uh, is um, should not be a musical event, right? What I mean by that, in one sense, is that the chanting is not a form of entertainment. It's not a form of entertainment for ourselves or for the public. That would be the antithesis of what kirtan is, right? It's for it's a, it's a, it's an act of devotion for the pleasure of Bhagwan. Now you can, for the pleasure of Bhagwan. Try to make the kirtan more artful, right? Mm-hmm. And have someone play the murdunga who actually knows how to play the murdunga mm-hmm. and the karto, um, and so forth. But, um, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur is said to have been very, uh, cautious about this because in Bengal, there are lots of kirtaneers and they're professional kirtaneers. And, um, he wanted to distinguish the kirtan of Godiamath from the professional kirtaneers who would chant and it would be musically very um, uh, attractive, for, you know, a, a genre in the genre of like folk music, right? With the coal of Murdungan and the kartal. Maybe they'd bring in an esaraj, an Indian violin or, or the harmonium, uh, which is a German instrument has been uh, incorporated and um, they could chant for a long time, you know, and um and be very musically attractive and then afterwards they'd smoke beaties and you know whatever and so they this was the professional kirtan that he wanted to distinguish his kirtan from and so i mean i wasn't there but we've heard and i heard repeatedly that he would sing often in kirtan himself leading and sing off key hmm, uh on purpose something like that um, so that's an extreme, right? But he wanted to distinguish. I remember, uh, in, in, in Iskon, um, um, one year in Mayapur, they decided to have a kirtan comp- competition. And so the leading kirtaniers from the temple in Chicago and, uh, New York and Los Angeles and London and Berlin and so on and so forth, they all had their kirtanier you know, team, kirtan team, kirtan leader, and they were get up on a stage and they would have kirtan and then there would, there would be a judging. And, excuse me, during, I think they did this for a couple of years, uh, but I think that the second year when Prabhupada closed the whole thing down, excuse me, um, they, they also invited some local uh, Bengali kirtaniers, some some professional or semi-professional groups. Uh, I don't know all their background and so forth, but, um, but Prabhupada, anyway, he closed it down. He, he, he didn't, he didn't like it. He thought, I would say that it was getting on, you know, getting away from, you know, what it's about. Um, and, 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 and serving as a, as a distraction. Um, um, nowadays there's all kinds of kirtan that, you know, that runs the risk of being, um, a, really a form of entertainment and and you see um you know the album cover and there's the three guys or gals or whatever on there looking like they would on an ordinary um you know uh and music album and you know we've made it and accomplished artists and you know, applause and so forth uh so you you want to be a little careful about that i mean that involves a lot of people um but what does it involve a lot of people in? Uh, you know, it, 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 it depends. So I'm giving you some, you know, longer, if you will, uh, history of, of the affairs. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't incorporate other instruments. Um, only the coal and the cartel. I, I don't think Bhakti Siddhanta allowed any other instruments. Um, the harmonium, Prabhupada played the harmonium and it, it made its way in, uh, largely, but, I think that the coal and the cartel are percussion instruments that, you know, don't lend themselves in the same way, you know, as other 
uh, musical instruments do that can take it in a musical um, uh, direction, which is, you know, not what you want to do. That said, I mean, there are kirtan styles developed by Narutam Thakur and who's the other prominent one, I forget, um, that are, you know, musically proficient or, or adept with regard to percussion and so forth. And, and um, it's not that... It, Obviously, again, if we're going to perform for Bhagwan, well, you want to do it nicely, right? You want to do it musically nicely and so forth. But that said, um, really, it depends on on on, on the heart of the um, of the kirtaniers and um, each individual devotee in the kirtan. That's what Bhagwan really. Um, tastes embraces and um and so forth but just like you want to cook very nicely right so you want to instrumentally or musically do it do it nicely but again for the pleasure of bhagwan this is for for krishna for adam krishna this is why we're why we're doing it so those are some thoughts does that help yeah so what i understand is that we we need to just check in with ourselves continuously what our intention is if we are actually making the offering to to krishna yeah. and then if we cannot stay in the meditation we, we take the means necessary to to remain in that meditation not only with yourselves but we're to check in with who are the kirtaniers and what is their intention as far as we can we can tell um there's there are statements from our party bar to the effect that one should not enter the kirtan that's not conducted under the auspices of of uh, Shuddha Bhakta, um, a pure devotee. Um, and um, so nowadays that might be a little hard to uh, figure out in a big organization like ISKCON, which you're affiliated with somewhat there because you, you, you're living at that, uh, uh, what's it called, the Bhakti House or something? Krishna, Krishna House. Krishna House um, in uh, Gainesville, Florida. Um, you know, they... they, they this gun has a lot of different kirtaniers, uh, uh, and I think you know you, you can't just say, "Well, it's because it's an iskon; it's it's bona fide because iskon's bona fide." You know, you you, you have to be a little bit um, thoughtful, not only with regard to your own intentions, but um, um, as best you can ascertain what are the intentions of the uh, of the kirtanir and i suppose they all have the basically the right right intention but but anyway yeah mm. thank you so much Kumars. okay thank you for your question Raj, i had a quick follow-up so you mentioned that in the gaudiya math dancing is more like supposed to be like an outcome of bob or outpouring of bob but interestingly like Dancing in front of the deities is one of the 64 angas of sadhana bhakti. So I guess, is it that you can do it as sadhana as well? Apparently. <laughs> I forgot about that, uh, anga of, uh, of, uh, of given by Rupa Goswami. He says that dancing before the deity. Yeah. Kirtan. Something like, I just looked it up. It's like learning to dance before the deity or something like that. Well, yeah, I think that, okay, uh, right. Now I think that what that, really refers to is more like when you arrange a dramatical or um you know performance like for example in Jagannath Puri Ramananda Roy was training um ladies who were um owned by Jagannath if you will uh to to dance uh, in what would you call it? Dance performance, anyway, dance performances that depicted the leelas, glorified them like your Bharat Natyam, um, like, uh, Gurangi Pri has a Bharat Natyam school, uh, Prem Vidyalai, I think we call it. And, um, and so she teaches young girls how to do the Bharat Natyam and then they enact with different gestures and motions and so forth uh, what is um, being uh, uh, 
talked about in the in the, in the corresponding kirtan and so the so this is the um a, a, a form of dancing before the deity that would be an anga of sadhana bhakti hmm? um and and again ramananda roy was teaching ladies the dancing and massaging them and so forth uh, even um all completely absorbed in the mood of pleasing Lord Jagannath, and they would have technical uh, performances before the, before Jagannath at different times throughout the year would be the case. So that's different than getting up and you know just jumping around in front of the deity because of the uh, um, the sound, the musical sound. Of the kirtan, mm-hmm. uh, Prabhupada, Prabhupada at one point taught us how to dance. We call it the Swami step or something like that. It was very conservative. Uh, uh, so I guess there's a place for that. It was like two hands up and one leg cross over the other and back. It was very like very simple. I remember once uh, Prabhupada was chanting. Um, as he would before the class, um, Jairada Madhava, and um, and I was thinking, well, Prabhupada um, is chanting, and this means so much to him, so I'm going to d- dance as he showed. And I was doing exactly as he showed, you know, for his pleasure. It was just totally how I was thinking. And, um, and Prabhupada he looked at me and and nodded and affirmed, yeah, you're doing it right, something like that. That was very, very nice. He was very pleased. So, um, you know, that was an example. We were following what he, he showed, kind of a two-step or something. If you want to dance, do it like this. But it, it did get, you know, quite um, exaggerated from there, and Prophet wasn't present for those those type of uh, wild kirtans. But anyway, the, the dancing as an anga, yes, Um there's a place for that, and Ramananda Roy is, uh, is an example of the teacher of that. <laughs> Thank you. So the next question is from Mara Mohan from uh, Brighton. Brighton. Okay. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Um, so my, my questions... Um, uh, related to the three um, aspects of the absolutes. Um, so it, it had me thinking we were studying the Gita locally. Um, and so uh, it's a two-part question. First, that um, Brahman is sometimes said to be uh, itself, is consciousness, like Brahman is consciousness or the basis of reality or existence. Um, and then Paramatma is said to be cog- cog- cognizance of this existence, so I was wondering what cognizance is lacking, if at all, in the Brahman feature, considering its consciousness that's there in the Paramatma feature. Um, and then also related to that, some say that we pass through these realizations, um, but it seems, at least to my understanding from a Bhakti perspective, that we focus on Bhagavan. And as a result of um, those realizations, one also has realization of the other aspects of the absolute if you will but of course it, you wouldn't focus on paramatma for example so i was wondering if you could clarify that if it's one passes through stages of realization or one um mm. it's just kind of a side effect if you will right yeah i appreciate the question well i think that um the brahman realization the brahman feature of the absolute which is near vishesh it's without qualities without differentiation um, and so forth that it is a if you will it's rather abstract but contentless um, how would you say yeah contentless awareness <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense how can you be aware of something that's contentless well uh, the example to help us appreciate uh, Brahman realization is deep sleep. Mm-hmm. We all enter deep sleep where we don't even dream. It's very deep. And um, when we wake up, we say, oh, I slept really well. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, the idea in Vedanta is, where this example is given, is that, well, you can't remember something that you weren't in experience. So you're remembering that you slept very well, so you must have been an experiencer, even when you weren't dreaming and when you weren't physically functioning. Physical functioning means the body. Dreaming means the mind. So the mind was shut off. The body, for all intents and purposes, was shut off. And you were, relatively speaking, disconnected from them, but you still existed, and it was peaceful. It was restful. It was contentless. All the content being from the mind and the body and being problematic, you got rid of all that content, all that external content, and it was just just you, peaceful. So, so Brahman realization is uh, contentless consciousness. So you're asking, is there any like cognitive factor in Brahman realization? Well, yes. So it's cognitive. You're cog. You're 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 cognitive. You're you're aware. You're conscious. You're you're well. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're, how would you say you're, you're cognitive? You're, you're, co- you're cognate. <laughs> anyway, you're, you're of, of, of a contentless experience. Hmm? Um, and again, you, we use the example of deep sleep. Now, um, so w- what I would say there is that the three elements of that are uh, often used to describe the absolute, sat, chit, and Ananda. Hmm? They're all present in all three features of the absolute, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. But how they play themselves out will be different in the different um, faces of the Godhead. In Brahman, well, uh, consciousness, uh, or existence, I should say, Sat, will be prominent. I exist. Hmm? Whereas the cognitive and the bliss will be present, but lesser factors. Hmm? When we go to Paramatma, then the cognitive feature is more prominent. Hmm? Hmm? Uh, Paramatma, for example, you know, it, it knows everything, hmm? aware of everything. Um, the yogi, who has Paramatma as his um, um, ideal and uh, ideal to realize uh, becomes aware of everything going on in the body. There's sort of different organs, chakras, and so on and so forth. It becomes like a little Paramatma and it's a microcosm of his own body and mind, right? Mm-hmm. So in, Brahm, in, in Paramatma, you're moving considerably from from a nirvishesh because here, well, you know, there's there's a there's a person, hmm? Paramatma, uh, and Shantarasa is possible in relation to Paramatma, but not in relation to nirvishesh Brahman. Hmm? And Shantarasa, one is not interested in the qualities or the leelas of Bhagwan, but but but. The beatific vision of Paramatma forehanded, all knowing. So cognitive cognizance, cognizance. Well, the cognitive factor chit is more prominent in the in the Paramatma realization, but obviously um, existence is also there, eternal existence, and bliss is also there. Now we go to Bhagwan, and within Bhagwan, if we go to Krishna even further, Swayam Bhagavan. And the, the more you go in that direction, the more the bliss becomes prominent. And existence and cognizance become lesser factors. So in Krishna consciousness, for example, we love Krishna. Love means bliss here, Ananda. And the existence is like a little village. It's a small place. It's not a Brahman. It's not Vaikuntha. It's a little village and a small place and and the knowledge that he's Bhagawan is not even you know a factor 
Yahweh is Bhagawan, you know, whatever. Some people say that. Could be. But anyway, hmm? interesting. But, you know, but my, I love him as a friend, or he's my lover. This is prominent. So the equation will be different in terms of how the Sat, Chit, and Ananda play out in relation to each face of the God at Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagawan. Hmm? Um, now that's answers hopefully the first part of your question. And, uh, I've written about this in, um, sacred preface, I believe, and maybe in the second chapter at some length. But, um, the second part of your question is whether we progress through Brahman realization and then Paramatma realization to come to Bhagwan realization. Um, and the answer to that would be no. Uh, we have one ideal in mind. Um, Bhagwan to realize Bhagwan and then it's as the form of Krishna, um, and so on and so forth. Um, now in the context of becoming, uh, Krishna conscious, then, um, we don't pass through Brahman realization and then go to Paramatma realization, um, and then come to Bhagwan realization. Uh, we don't find, uh, uh, well, in particular, of course, the, the Shankar's idea of Brahman realization, we don't accept that, but that is a reality, but there is Brahma Sayuja, a form of Brahman realization. But no, you're not going to get waylaid there for, you know, eons and then progress to Paramat realization. Why would you, why would that happen? Hmm? That now you, you will realize the Atma, the self, which is akin, some ways to, to Brahma, of course, is the kingdom to Paramatma, we, who we come from, and to Bhagwan as well. But, um, but no, there, there are, these are distinct paths. These are distinct features of the absolute. For, for Gyan Marg, typically, uh, the, the ideal is, is Brahman realization, Yoga Marg. The ideal is Paramatma realization, Bhakti Marg. The ideal is, is, um, Realization of the Bhagavan feature of the absolute and the paths are distinct. They're different from one another. So they lead naturally to different faces of the absolute, different degrees of penetration into transcendence. Hmm. That help? Yes. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you for your question. Okay, so there's a follow-up question from Ananta Govinda from the Bay Area. He says, uh, follow-up question on the motivated chanters. If Krishna is personally present in the name, what stops him from appearing in a qualified devotee's heart even when he hears from a materially motivated chanter? Well, it depends on the level of the devotee's uh, own standing and realization. Hmm. It, um, for the highest devotee, let us take Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example. Um, um, well, just by seeing a rain cloud, you know, he would pass out. Hmm. Right? Um, hearing a lady performing kirtan in the Jagannath temple, he ran after the temple. Shruptometer stopped him. Hmm. Um, um, so uh, the idea being that <laughs> obviously, yeah, the more you advance, we can say these are the udipanas, the, the excitements for this rasa, another rasa, and so forth. And some of them overlap, but in the, in the highest stage, the whole world becomes an udipana. Hmm? Mahaprabhu saw a sand dune and thought it was Govardhan. He saw the, the ocean, thought it was the Jamuna. Hmm? Um, again, saw the rain cloud, thought that it was Krishna's complexion, hmm? and he wept more than the rain cloud could produce. You know, rain <laughs> and water and. and it, in a, in a tsunami. So, um, yes, if a devotee is, uh, uh, very advanced, then they can, um, take advantage of any, what to speak of any 
any form of glorification of Bhagwan, even if that's not the intention on the part of the, in this case, Kirtanir, uh, again, even just from nature, they can uh, be drawn into and find Krishna, who is everywhere. So it depends on the realization. The, the, the idea that one should be um, cautious about what Kirtan one enters into is an instruction for sadhakas, for, for, for you know, uh, uh, practitioners who should be um, uh, thoughtful, reflective, um, and use their intelligence in their practice. So if we know this type of kirtan is done as a musical performance, it's, why, why should we be interested in that? Hmm? Um, um, and we should, in the Madhyamadikari, uh, the intermediate devotee is characterized by discrimination. So he or she makes these types of discriminations, and this way their sadhana becomes artful and, and 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 meaningful, rather than just mechanical, which might be more the case for the Kanishta Adhikari. So as much as our practice is becoming, uh, our intelligence, discriminating faculty is becoming a, a factor in our practice, determining how to practice, when, where, and so on and so forth. To that extent, we're moving in the direction of the Madhyama. Hmm? Um, the Uttama, on the other hand, well, you know, right. Um, yes, you could hear Kirtan anywhere, and, um, and you know, you could hear the lady, um, um, what was it, the, the barber criticizing his wife, who was named Radha, and fall into ecstasy because the barber said, that Radha... Hmm. I'm, I'm upset with her and think it was, think it was Krishna. Gorkashara uh, Das Babaji was, uh, um, being ridiculed. The story is by some, the anecdote is by some children in the village and they were throwing stones at him and he said, stop that or I'll report you to your mother. And he, he was thinking like Krishna was, Krishna was, was harassing him and he's going to report him to Mother Yasoda. So, you know, that's one thing. He's not a sadhaka. So this kind of instruction is for, for sadhakas. It's not that the name has the, has the, has the, is lacking in some way, but to what extent the name may be manifest, um, in, in one kirtan or another kirtan, um, and have, have profound spiritual power. That's another thing. So if it's, if it's chanting of a pure devotee, then it may have the effect of, to, um, um, to, Affect positively and spiritually, even even uh, uh, trees that I see out my window, for example. But um, speak of willingly participate. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have some uh, kirtanier who's doing it professionally and um, um, is only nominally, let's say, a, a devotee, and some very qualified person may be able to draw something uh, uh, from that. So you have two ends of the spectrum. The advice, oh, again, is for, for Madhyamadikaris. Does that help? Thank you. Yeah, that's very helpful. Okay. Nice to see you. Okay, there's a follow-up question from Parmanand on, on Mara Moha's question. He says, if Brahman realization is set and one does not transition from one to another, how do we understand the examples of Sukadev Goswami or the Kumaras who seem to have been in Brahman realization and then became great devotees? Yes, the answer to that is that they were not practicing bhakti hmm, with a view to attain realization of Bhagwan. Hmm. Sukadev was engaged in contemplating Brahman. Hmm. And then he was moved from there to bhakti by hearing uh, verses from the Bhagavatam, subsequently learning the Bhagavatam from Vyasa and so forth. So he was a convert. So he was a jnani who then got drawn from the pursuit of Brahman realization to to the path of bhakti and pursued Gopi Bhav. Um, so there are these, now we've got other examples, the Kumaras, 
in the Bhagavatam, there those examples are there to show us the power of bhakti to draw one from um, the the uh, the and the pursuit of Brahman, which you know is largely um, thought to be you know that's the, that's 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 the goal of Hinduism to merge with Brahman. You know, if it weren't for Prabhupada, this would still be the prominent thinking in academia. Prabhupada changed all of that. You, you have it's really incredible to to understand what Prabhupada did in his mission with regard to how people in the world and Indologists in particular think about, about Hinduism and people in other religious traditions think about Hinduism. Weren't for Prabhupada, before Prabhupada was practically, you know, 98% idea that Hinduism is about merging with Brahman. He changed all that by his, his um, canvassing in, which included, hey, wait a minute here, there's four other types of Vedanta, they're all theistic. Even though he was presenting his own trad- tradition, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, he understood Gaudiya Vaishnavism to be, in the larger context, part of a composite of theistic Vedanta, Vishishta Dvaita, Dvaita, Vad, um, and, and so on and so forth, the other four um, uh, Sampradayas. And so now, it's it, this is all... All the work of our party, it's an amazing, amazing, extraordinary, powerful accomplishment, which speaks of the bhava behind his uh, Sankirtan. Um, it is said in Chaitanya Charitamrita that uh, Krishna Shakti being an Ahitarapavartan, you cannot successfully um, spread the Sankirtan unless uh, you have Krishna Shakti. I mean, he had great uh, power. To accomplish this, it it, it goes uh, un unnoticed or un un really la, la, largely, but it's it's a huge huge um, shift hmm, in thinking about Hinduism hmm, in 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 the West and even in, in even in 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 India. Of course, it's more prominently understood in India that there were you know it was that there were different divisions and so forth, but still. The prominence of Shankar has been really dimmed by the light of Prabhupada's um, campaign. Hmm? Um, that so, at, at any rate, the Bhagavatam cites examples of Navyagendras, the Kumaras, Sugriva Goswami, uh, to, to highlight the, the, the virtues of Bhakti and how Bhakti is a trans uh, or a post-liberated uh, um, reality, right? So they were not, Sukadeva was not practicing bhakti and passing through Brahman realization and then Paramatma realization. He was practicing jnana and got converted to bhakti. That's a central, obviously central story to the whole of, of the Bhagavatam, right? He heard the Bhagavatam. He took the trouble, trouble to study the Bhagavatam. Why did he do that if he was self-realized? Ah, because ita, itam bhuta guna hari. Such are the qualities of hari. Such are the itam bhuta guna hari. The qualities of hari are such that the non-qualified or unqualified nirvishesh feature of the absolute, if you're attracted to it, but you hear from the right person, a powerful person to take you out of Brahman realization, uh, about the qualities of Krishna, as he heard from Vyas. They are such, such are the qualities that they can make Nirvishesh Brahman feature of the absolute seem insignificant, hmm. seem, uh, even, even detestable as <laughs> sometimes described, um, by, Gaudi Acharyas, such are his qualities. But of course, you'd have to have a very qualified person to speak. Someone has very strong samskar for, for Brahman realization and becomes a Jiva Mukta, of, to use a Gyani term like, like Sugadev to draw him out. And such was the power of Bhagwan Vyas, Krishna Dvaitayana Vyas. So uh, that should answer your question. I hope it does. If not, um, 
That's large. Thank you. Okay. Good. There's one more question. If you want to take it, or should we leave it for next week? What is it? So it's from Rasa Kelly. She asks, or she says, names names have always been very significant and fascinating to me. I have always wondered about our initiate initiate names or initiated names. In some traditions, ritually given names are thought to express a quality that the member has inside that the teacher may see in them that they can aspire to express and fulfill as they grow in practice. Sometimes these names are inspired by the teacher's relationship with the student or revealed in meditation to the teacher as the initiation approaches. Do our names in this tradition have a deeper significance than we that we should meditate on? Or are they simply a marker of us as devotees, which of course is certainly significant in and of itself? Thank you. I think the latter is more uh, the, the reality, and the, and the name Das Dasi is is the emphasis to give the name of Krishna and the servant of Krishna um, is 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 more the reality when you get particularly to a larger kind of a situation of you know like for example in Prabhupada's mission he had many many disciples mm-hmm. um, now if you're sitting in if you're in a smaller setting. Um, with a few disciples and a guru, which is more of the classical kind of a, a setting in the in the past, um, then then the guru you know, may give a name that has more correspondence with the nature of the person whom he understands, having spent time with them, um, um, you know, personally in terms of their identity in this life. Um, and connecting it with, um, you know, their, their prospect of transcendence. Um, there is, that said, there is a, a method for choosing the name given in Hari Bhakti Vilas that has, is, is, um, has astrological, um, um, considerations, um, an abbreviated form of that um, was employed by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, assuming, as he did, I would say, that, that, that the Hindu name, the Hindu parents that gave the children the name took into consideration astrological um, insights on the natal, you know, chart. And I forget... The detail of it, but um, from an astrological point of view, dependent upon you know precisely the um, the phase of the moon or something like that, uh, then um, um, a name would be given, and then Bhakti Siddhanta would keep the first letter of that given name, and you know, uh, if it was Hari, then I think he would keep it. When he gave Hari Nam, when he gave Mantra Diksha, he, he might change it, like to Hari Charan Das. Prophet's name was Abai Charan. And he gave him the name Abai Charan Aravinda. Hmm? Or he might change it more, depends. Um, some names of, would be, um, that children have wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be in relation to Vishnu. So, but uh, so he followed that, you know, uh, in, 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 in to, to some extent. In the Brajalila, it said that the girls were all named after <laughs> Lita, Vishaka, uh, Radha, and so forth. After the um, the wives uh, of Daksha, which uh, co- I think correspond with different phases of the moon. So relative to where they were, uh, uh, when they were born, astrologically speaking, then they would get a name like that. So there are, um, that, and that's of course, you know, now what to, what to do about that, right? You know, your name is Harry or Bob, um, you know, and, uh, and that those considerations weren't in place and so on and so forth. And, so it's a little more difficult and, and in a, and he, you know, take my situation. Well, I have disciples from different countries and so forth. I'm not 
living with them um, um, and so on. But, uh, you know, I, 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 much as I know uh, a person um, in terms of their present reality and if I can detect some, some spiritual background in them as well, which is not everybody has that to the same extent, then I will try to come up with a name that um, would be uh, have a little more uh, significance in the way that you're you're asking about. Um, but if I if I'm not in that situation, then I would I would tend to try to give them a unique name anyway, as far as possible. Hmm. Um, so let's. So given that, I think, yeah, we have to gravitate more towards Das, Dasi. This is the, the, the surname, if, if, if you will. But you have a nice name. I very much liked giving that name to you. Thank you for your answer, so, Mara. <laughs> okay, there she is. Are you in Canada? Yes, I am, yes. <laughs> Toronto? Yeah. Uh, yeah, slightly outside now, but I was when I was initiated. Yeah, can't hear you, but I see you're not. Oh, your sorry. Somewhere in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't know why it's not. Yeah, but thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Nice to be with you all, and um, yeah, I think I will be here again next Sunday. Is what date is next Sunday? Yeah, I think it's just before you leave to uh, leave for Chile. Right. I don't know if I'll be, I don't doubt if I'll be broadcasting from Chile and Brazil. I'll be there for two weeks, but look forward to being with you all next week. Go back to Bindaki. Jai. Go to Premanande. Adi, adi, adi. Shilaguru Maharaj. Ki jai.